Hey, hey, and welcome to a bonus parents-only edition of Lively Conversations brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're in the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I am your host, Dana Williams, and today my guest is Will Hutcherson. Now, Will has been with us on Lively Conversations recently in a conversation that was designed for you and your student to listen to together. Will joined us in episode 38 for an episode called Curate Hope, where we brought up these tough conversations conversations of depression, despair, and suicide, and started a conversation that you can have with your students. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode together. But as Will and I talk, we got into some of the nuts and bolts of how parents can specifically address these issues with our kids. And I wanted to give us a space to where we could talk about that in a way that that our kids weren't necessarily present for. So that is the purpose of this bonus conversation for you. So let me tell you a little bit about Will. Will lives in South Florida with his beautiful wife and his three adorable kids. He's a next-gen pastor who works with kids and teenagers, and he travels the country spreading a message of hope to middle school and high school students through school assemblies where they talk about overcoming tough topics like despair and bullying. He founded a nonprofit called Curate Hope, and in addition to these school assemblies, they empower educators and parents to use human connection to help heal despair. Will is a great communicator and he does such a good job of helping us to understand some of the complex things that we can't see that are happening inside of our brains. So I hope that this conversation gives you some practical tools for meeting your students in the places where they feel despair. So let's jump into my lively conversation with Will. Hey, Will, welcome to Lively Conversations. I'm so glad that you're here. Why don't you take a second and kind of introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Will Hutcherson. I live in South Florida. And uh, one of the things I do is I work with kids and teenagers. I travel around the country. I speak in schools, uh, middle school, high schools, helping kids really take steps towards overcoming despair and bullying. We do anti-bullying assemblies and all sorts of things. We also help parents with how to help their kids when their kids are in despair and what are things we can do all centered around this one big idea that human connection can help heal the brain. Love that. And I'm so glad that you're here because this is such an important topic. So Will, when I first met you, our family was just a few days out from learning of the suicide of a close friend of our entire family. And it was a devastating season for us. But one of the things that made me want to come and introduce myself to you was you made some comments that debunked what I believed about depression and suicide. And it gave me some of the clarity that I desperately needed in those moments. So can you talk to us for a moment about those two, but also you alluded to the word despair earlier, and I'd love for you to bring in that piece of the puzzle. There's a lot to unpack there, but you know, to really just kind of narrow it down, let me first say You know, if you're struggling with some type of mental health, maybe especially in this coronavirus time, like we're we're dealing with a lot of stress, we're dealing with a lot of anxiety, we're dealing with a lot of isolation, and it can just feel like at times maybe the walls are closing in, and maybe you're good today, but you've had moments where you're just like you're tired of this and can't wait to get outside. Parents that are listening, you know, maybe you've experienced some tension in your home over the last few weeks, and. And all that to say is that we all go through stuff and we all go through stress, but the way that we handle that and the way that our brains kind of handle stress over time can cause a lot of problems. So when it comes to the issue of suicide, which 
is a major problem within our world today. If you don't know the statistics, every demographic suicide is up in the last 10 years. Specifically amongst teenagers, though, suicide rates have doubled, and the highest rate of increase has been amongst the ages of 10 and 14, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. And all that to say that there are people getting to a place of utter hopelessness where they feel like the only option is to end their life and end the pain that they're experiencing. And oftentimes when we think about this, we think that depression is the the root cause of suicide. So uh, the, there's two problems with this belief is one, we try to then diagnose everyone with depression and, and even ourselves, and that's not necessarily good. And then the second problem is that we kind of you know put this pressure on parents to uh, become mental health counselors, you know, of like all of a sudden, like, oh, if your kid, you know, has these feelings, then you gotta, you gotta fix them. But the reality is, is depression doesn't cause suicide. Depression may contribute to suicide along with other mental health factors, but depression alone doesn't cause suicide. Uh, and we just have to be aware of that because the, the number one cause of suicide is, is actually despair. It's, Every single person who's ever attempted or completed suicide has felt despair. And the good news about that is, is we don't have to go too far to be able to empathize with despair because every single one of us have experienced despair at some point in our lives. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that it's that feeling of hopelessness. Like you just, you don't know where to go. Yeah, exactly. And when you feel that, you know, what do you do? And so the good news is, is that despite that, and yes, we can recognize despair in others, we can recognize despair in ourselves, it might be long term despair, it might be short term despair. But regardless, we can take steps to influence our minds towards healing. Because here's the principle, there is always hope. There's always Mm -hmm. hope. So what might you say to parents who are noticing maybe that their son or daughter is feeling off. Yeah, the number one thing for parents is to help them to feel felt. That goes back to that emotional exhaling, right? And there are ways that we can do that. There are, you know, just our presence, um, our tone really matters. Uh, For parents, it's really important for us to kind of put on our oxygen mask first before we put on the oxygen mask of our kids. And what I mean by this is if you are very stressed. And if you have high anxiety or high trauma symptoms, PTSD, and you're not dealing with your issues, then it's going to be really hard for you to help your kid. And I'm not saying that in judgment. I'm saying that more in, I know that every parent that's listening loves their kid deeply. And I know that every parent that listen, that's listening, and especially if they have a kid that's dealing with despair, they want to trade places with them and they want to so bad help them. Well, the best way to help them is to first help yourself, that you have to recognize where you are and where your stress levels are and figure out ways, take steps now to get your heart to a healthy place because that's going to position you and give you more resiliency as you're trying to help your kid and teenager to deal with their despair or to emotionally exhaust. For instance, I mean, kids have this ability to trigger parents faster than anything, right? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and if we're already at a low boil because we're just frustrated or you know we're holding on to anxiety or our own emotions that we're not exhaling, then our kids will trigger us and it'll send us off into a response that we didn't necessarily want to respond or react the way that we did. And so it's important to recognize that and to change the way that we communicate and be mindful of our tone. Now, I'm not saying that you're ever going to be a perfect parent because even as I say that, most parents that are listening are going to experience parent guilt. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, I suck. You're right. You know? <laughs> and 
And honestly, you know, research shows you don't have to get it right five out of five times when it comes to emotionally responding correctly to your kids. In fact, research shows that you get it like two out of five times, you're in good shape. <laughs> like, like you're mm -hmm. actually emotionally helping your kid to build emotional resilience if you can get it right two out of five times. So, I mean, think about that. You don't even have to get it right half the time. You just got to get two out of five, right? Mm -hmm. So this isn't about being a perfect parent to make a difference in your kid. It's about being intentional. Intentional is the key. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Be mindful of your tone and try to get them to talk. And uh, sometimes when I tell parents, you know, to try to get their kids to talk, you know, they roll their eyes and they're like, good luck, you know. And, and I know it can be difficult, but there are things that you can do to just encourage conversation. And if we can get them to talk and specifically how they feel about something, usually what, what this looks like is, you know, I'll, I'll say to a teenager like, well, hey, when that happened, you know, how do you feel? And if they're in, you know, amount of despair, they may say, I don't know, just whatever. I'll, I'll say, well, did, did you, do you feel embarrassed? Do you feel angry? Do you feel hurt? I'll just pick some emotions, you know? And sometimes they say, I don't know, I feel all of them, you know? And I'll say, well, just pick one and tell me about it. You know, just pick one. Yeah. I feel hurt. Okay, tell me more. Tell me more is probably my favorite phrase, by the way. It's so helpful. <laughs> Even as a parent. Yeah. Oh, it's a great, great phrase. Even as a parent, as a leader. I mean, I use it all the time. I just say, tell me more. And what people feel when you are just willing to ask, tell me more, just simply say that and just be still and listen, is they feel heard. They feel felt again. Which is the goal, right? <laughs> Which is the goal. So yeah. yeah, you can get them to open up just a little bit to ex express an emotion. You know, they might even say, they might even do it in an attacking way where, you know, they might attack themselves or they might even try to attack you. But mm -hmm. again, going back to if we are dealing with our stuff, we're able to respond a little bit differently. You know, well, I just feel so angry because you blah, 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 and you did that and you don't even respect me. And, you know, if you weren't in my life, I'd feel better. And as a parent, you know, you feel hurt in that moment. Yeah, but if you like can take a deep breath, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can take a deep breath and just simply say, so you're telling me you feel frustrated. Yeah, I feel frustrated. Yeah. Tell me more. It's such a great tool for diffusing that, that negative energy. Yeah. yeah. You, you might empathize. You might even say, you know what? If I was in your shoes, I'd probably feel frustrated too. <laughs> and right. And it's a, a good parent, opportunity for us to apologize you know, to yeah. model what that looks like. Yeah. You might not even be right. But the point is, is that sometimes we have to meet them right where they are. So mm -hmm. if we try to logically process and tell them why they're wrong, but they're emotionally activated, then they never hear us. So sometimes you just have to meet emotion with emotion, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like, mm -hmm. oh man, I'm so sorry. That really stinks. I hate that that happened. Tell me more. Yeah. In my experience, when we've been able to do that with our children, a lot of times it takes a little while. And then it, it, once it simmers down, then we can come back and have that logical conversation that we need to have at a later point. But being able to meet that emotion with emotion and empathy does help us to get to that place where we can have a better conversation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's such great wisdom. Yeah. You know, another example of, you know, noticing the emotion is let's say your kid, you know, just bombs their test. And right now, you know, they're not really coming home from school. They're maybe just doing a test online and they bomb it. But, you know, just say that they're upset. You know, they're upset that they, you know, failed their test. 
And the reaction is, you know, oh, I can't believe it. You know, my teacher doesn't even like me. Like they're just picking on me, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe it's, you know, they're sad. They're like, I can't believe I failed my test, you know. So whatever the emotion is, the point is that they're they're disappointed, right? And mm-hmm. as a parent, sometimes when our kids express these things, we want to say, we want to immediately go into logical processing. Well, of course you failed your test because last <laughs> night I was telling you you should have studied for your test, but instead you were playing Xbox. And when I gave you a warning, you said you'd do it later, you do it later, you do it later. Well, you never did it. And now you failed your test. So what do you think you can do differently? <laughs> right? Uh, guilty as so, charged. <laughs> right, right, right. What parent hasn't done that? Yeah, totally. And what parent hasn't gotten the expression of, especially if they have a teenager, they roll their eyes, right? And they go, ah, oh, you don't get it, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what the teenager is saying is you don't feel me. You're not feeling what I feel. If we can pause and just simply meet the emotion with the emotion and hold back logical processing, it usually goes a lot better. Like, so for instance, and, the, and you know, for some people, you might say, oh, that's just too soft. It's not soft. It's just empathy. It's just empathy. It doesn't mean that we don't come back logically later. It just means that we meet them right where they are in that moment. So your teenager is upset. You know, they're, they're distraught about failing their test. And instead of going logical processing, you just look at me, you go, oh, man. Oh, that really stinks. I'm so sorry you failed your test. Like, just stay in the moment. Like, I, you know you must feel really disappointed. Yeah, I do feel disappointed. Sit down. Let me get you a Coke. Come on, sit, sit, tell me about it. You know, well, my teacher doesn't blah, 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 and tells you the same thing, right? Just goes through, blames it on their teacher, does whatever, you know, that's all absolutely wrong. You know, meanwhile, in the back of your head, you're thinking, unbelievable, like this kid doesn't take any responsibility, right? You know, you're thinking yeah. all logical processing. The point is just meet them right in the emotion. Let the emotion come down. Let them exhale the emotion and then bring logical processing. It might be in that conversation or it might be 20 minutes from that moment where you loop back around and you say, hey, you know, I know you were, you know, upset and I, you know, you told me all the things that you felt when you failed your test, but do you think there's anything you can do next time that might influence your grade so that you don't feel the way that you just felt? You're bringing the logical processing when they're ready for it, but you got to allow them to come back down to neutral before you can bring logical processing into it. Otherwise, you miss them. They roll their eyes. It creates tension. And ultimately, you you walk away feeling like, oh, my goodness, they don't listen. And they're thinking they don't listen, you know, and and you're just kind of stuck in that cycle. Yeah, that's really good. So I'm loving what you're saying here because uh, a couple of the things that you've said today really resonate with some of the messaging here at Table 112 where we talk about start with me is taking care of yourself first and making sure that you're in a healthy place to lead from. We always talk about partnering in community and we've kind of touched on that with engaging other trusted adults and even counselors and things like that. And then the last thing is uh, engage your kids and you're just giving us some really practical wisdom and tools and even words that we can say to our kids to to try to help mitigate the despair that they're feeling as they face struggles or anxiety or whatever. I think both for the parents and for the kids, we have to be real about what our needs are. And at the end of the day, our need is we need to feel felt. We need to have connection and we need to be heard. Definitely. So how can our listeners connect with you and with Curate Hope? Yeah. So you can go to curatehope.com, learn more about the school assemblies that we do, the parent workshops that we do. We have a book coming out for parents uh, later on this year. It was actually, it was supposed to come out in in, uh, April, but uh, with coronavirus, it, it got pushed. 
So uh, we'll, we'll have resources and things just to help parents have conversations with their kids. Awesome. So how can they find you online? You can also follow me on Instagram, Will Hutch, at Will Hutch. Curate Hope's on there as well. But if you go to at Will Hutch, you'll find Curate Hope. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, all those platforms, whatever you'd like. But we'd love to hear any questions, comments that you have from listening and love to connect with you. Awesome. I just love hearing Will's insight on this topic. And as you step away from this conversation, I hope that you remember to start with your own health and make sure that you're leading your kids from a healthy place. Make sure that you're engaging other adults in a community around you. If this is something that you're dealing with in your home, it's not for the faint of heart. So make sure that you're bolstered with some other people helping and support you and your family. And then lastly, as we engage our kids, he had so many great points, but among them, I wanted to point out this idea of helping our kids to feel felt, giving them that space to release the emotional energy that's built up when something goes wrong or they're feeling frustrated or they're feeling sad or or whatever the feeling happens to be, giving an, a release valve for that place where they can tell you the feelings and you can help them to feel like they've been heard gets them to that place of logical processing. And I think that we can all identify with how sometimes our feelings don't connect with the things that our brain logically knows. I've experienced that recently myself. And it was so grateful for a friend who helped point me to the fact that those parts of our brain don't necessarily talk to each other. So let's meet our kids in their emotion with our emotion. And I hope that you're stepping away from this conversation with some really practical, useful tools to help connect with your kids and fight that despair that we sometimes see in them. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time at the table. Hey, thanks for joining. And uh, we're so excited. Hopefully these principles help you. Remember that there's always hope and just keep breathing. Love Thanks. that.